0: cut a movie podcast for movie fans this is andreas i am the creator and one of the primary writers of films fatale i love art house and international films but i also love a little bit of everything so what other uh, movie bust do we have with me
1: james here i'm a digital media creator i produce and release music under the a boutique paul i'm one to have the podcast and my taste leans more towards no budget in indie cinema
2: Hey, this is Rachel. I write for Films Fatale as well. I love world cinema and lost movies and silent films, so that is what I like to write about. But this week, I thought we could get a little more contemporary with a new format that I call Artist Overview. So for this week, we did Tom Hanks for our Artist of the Week, and... We are going to talk about the movies we like best about Mr. Hanks. And then in the second half, we will have each watched a movie of his for the first time and we'll describe our reaction. Starting with Andreas, uh, what's your favorite Tom Hanks movie?
0: That's really tough. And I also don't want to step on any toes. Um, (laughs) My favorite film of his that's okay. let's say maybe not Toy Story related at all. Um, let's go with and I wouldn't really say this is like his film but he's definitely a huge part of it as to why it's so good but I also think this is like the best film he's in kind of period that would be Saving Private Ryan by Steven Spielberg which I feel like is' one of the one of the last times that Spielberg was operating at his maximum peak capacity like just a just a brilliant war film I feel like a lot of Spielberg films are kind of, you know, injected with this sympathetic feeling that you're meant to feel. But the thing about Tom Hanks is he's very natural at achieving the exact same thing. So when Saving Private Ryan's trying to make you feel this way with that score and these sentimental images, I feel like Tom Hanks is that hard to even through the most gruesome or panic-inducing scenes, especially that really long opening, which is one of the best pieces of war choreography by any filmmaker, I think ever. But just having Tom Hanks as, again, like the heart and soul of the entire mission, even at its worst, I think is a testament to just who he is as an actor, you know, a charming actor, especially because, and I think we'll we'll get into this, he started off in like these these weird comedy films. Like he was like, you know, this this guy this not a comedian, but like, I guess because he's got that charm factor, that's just what he was known as, like this, this uh, American sweetheart in these lovable films. But, you know, towards the 90s, he started doing more dramatic stuff, but he never lost that warmth. And it really shines in something like Saving Private Ryan.
2: Well, we're going to get a little bit more into that part of his career later, but I'd agree with you. He really anchors that movie, even though, as you say, it isn't a Tom Hanks movie, so to speak. It's not a vehicle for him, but he is so important to that film.
0: You know, it's obviously a match made in heaven, Spielberg and Tom Hanks, and they've worked together since. You know, such an example would be Bridge uh, of Spies, which was released not too long ago, The Post. But, um, you know, this early collaboration that they had, you know, it's obviously a match made in heaven. And it was, it was destined from the start. You could see it here. And it's one of those things where he's always Tom Hanks. He's always that charming, charismatic, sympathetic type of person but he also embodies whatever character he's portraying really well so when he's in saving private ryan you you firmly believe he's in this troop trying to command this group to try and find the titular character like you don't feel like it's i don't know his character in the green mile now he's over here it's always tom hanks but he's always exactly what he needs to be
2: yeah um james have you seen uh saving private ryan
1: I haven't in years. Like I know I have, I just cannot remember it for the life of me. Like I know what it's about and I know I've seen it. It's just one of those things was like, I have to go back and revisit it.
2: Oh yeah. It's a huge achievement. I definitely say you have to check it out.
1: Yeah.
0: I think as somebody who loves like the art of filmmaking, just that opening 25 minutes alone, I think you'd really appreciate James. I don't know about the rest of it. I feel like you might like it, but that opening alone, you might be like, wow, how did they make this? Like, I know that um, Spielberg didn't win, you know, the film didn't win Best Picture, but he won for Best Director, and I think it's, like, literally just for that opening alone. Like, it's, I know I've I've kind of ragged on Spielberg a little bit on my site, on the podcast, but when he's, when he's at his best, the guy's unparalleled. Like, he's a fantastic filmmaker, and even though he's got some faults, stuff like this can't be denied.
2: He's got that reputation for a reason of being that high up. I just think he's overly praised sometimes, but...
0: Yeah, absolutely. But then you see something like this and it's like, okay, I, I get where that praise comes from. Um what about what about you, James? If you didn't pick Saving Private Ryan, what what film did you go with for, you know, one of your favorites?
1: One of my favorites, I had to go with one of his more recent ones, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, that's
0: a good one. I love that one. That's a one.
1: good one. The fact that he could just embody the very person that Fred Rogers was was just like, it was just pure magic. Like, there, there is not a single person who could have played that role except him. It's like, it's like how Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. He is basically Mr. Rogers.
2: And the weird part is he doesn't even look that much like him, which is usually what you want, but nobody cares because he's the only person that could take that role on just by personality.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote or like uh, Mike, Michael Fassbender and, and Steve Jobs. They don't look like them. And, you know, Ashton Kutcher looks more like Steve Jobs, but it's not about that. You believe that they're them. And because their performances are just that good, like Philip Seymour Hoffman was I th- at least like a foot and a half or something crazy taller than Capote, but he just transformed. And the same can be said here with, uh, with Tom Hanks. And I'm very fortunate that... Uh, one of the best date nights my girlfriend and I've ever had, we went to go see one of the premieres. And I say one of the premieres because it premiered twice in one day. So we went to the second one at TIFF and Tom Hanks was there. Director Muriel Heller was there. Oh, wow. Uh, Matthew Reese. So it was, it was quite an experience and getting, let me tell you, Tom Hanks, I've actually seen him twice in person. Once was when he was recording for Saturday Night Live. And this was like 15 years ago, I think. And the other time was a couple years ago here. Let me tell you, I've been to many concerts, I've uh, seen many red carpets, sort of thing, been to many sporting events, I've potentially never heard a louder crowd than when that man walked on stage, like he would say something like, I don't know, to a question, just I don't know, and he'd still get the loudest reaction. It it was like the weirdest experience, like that man is beloved.
1: You know, it's fascinating because he does this thing that Will Smith does, where When he's in a movie, he's generally it's like he's being Tom Hanks, like regardless of the role, he's Tom Hanks, much like Will Smith is basically just playing himself. But when they are given real people to play, they just transform into those people. It's like when Will Smith, like, like I'm really anticipating King Richard to come out because, you know, for him to play Venus Williams' dad, just from the trailer alone, I'm just like, how do you go from doing the typical stuff you do to then just transforming into another person? And that's what I felt when I watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's like it's like we we all know like that Tom Hicks' presence, but him being Mr. Rogers, especially especially like later Mr. Rogers, too. So it's like, you know, after he's already beloved by everybody, just kind of like, you know, this story of This journalist who wants to kind of like get to know him on a deeper level because, you know, there was a lot of this really kind of mystique around Mr. Rogers because you really didn't know who he was aside from his personality on the television show. So for him to try to like crack that and just the way he presented the character and just like it was very elegant, especially even scenes like, you know, Fred playing piano with his wife. You know, it it just, he had all these magic moments that just, you know, I don't know, it was just one of those films where I think probably could have gotten a lot more attention than it got. Because, like, it got a a good amount of praise, but it just seemed like it kind of, like, came and went.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate because it's still a very solid film, and I feel like it does a few interesting things. Like, the whole idea that you're watching, when I say mature, I don't mean it's, like, graphic or anything outside of the occasional swear word, but, like, a mature episode of you know, not Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So, you know, the way that he introduces the character of Matthew Reese who's this, um, this, this writer for Esquire, who's going to be interviewing him, like the the, the real story, I felt like it was very clever. And again, Muriel Heller is a fantastic filmmaker. I, I, I adore Can You Ever Forgive Me? So this, I knew couldn't fail.
2: For those who aren't familiar with her career, you've also seen her as the mother character in The Queen's Gambit. So she's yes. also an actor. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. yeah, that's her. That's her largest acting credit, I think. And she also directed uh, What the Constitution Means to Me, which I recommended a few weeks ago.
1: Oh, I love Queen's Gambit.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: Mariel Heller is uh, is like a quintuple threat. Like she she could do a plethora. Just do everything. Of yeah, and one of them is uh, directing. So no, she's she's great, and I I await what she's going to come up with next. But uh, in that same breath, uh, we we anticipate Rachel's selection for what you picked for your favorite or one of your favorite Tom Hanks films. Is it is it big? And if so, why is it big? I love big, by the way.
2: It is not big. So okay. uh, this one is, um, it's not his best movie, but I would say it is one of the best examples of his performances. And that is Castaway.
0: Away. Okay. Ah, classic.
2: Yeah, that is the movie where the entire thing depends on him. If you had the wrong actor in that role, somebody the audience couldn't go along with, somebody who couldn't sustain all the tension of those scenes and transform from who he is in the beginning to who he is at the end you wouldn't have a movie. And so this really is the quintessential Tom Hanks movie. I mean, the volleyball did all the heavy lifting, but unfortunately, we can't talk about him more than that. So yeah, I would say that that to me is the definition of a good Tom Hanks performance. He's so compelling. His journey is so difficult. And he sells every step of it.
0: Yeah, because, you know, when you brought up the, that the film itself is not fantastic, I, I would have to agree that it's, it's pretty good. But if you had any other actor in that role, I can guarantee only 5% would have made it work. And Tom Hanks was in that 5%. Had it been anybody else who was perhaps inadequate for the role, it might have been a chore to watch. But here you have Tom Hanks, who works well with everybody, but we learn... Through this, that he works well with himself as well. Just him, yeah. volleyball named Wilson, whatever props around him. You could watch him for you could watch a series of this.
2: It makes me want to see him on stage, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be on parallel. Like even if you don't even have like the bookend parts where other people exist, like you just see him on the island and you know that he gets rescued or whatever after the fact. Just him and him alone. I'd absolutely go see that.
2: One hundred percent. So yeah, if you want to see how well the man can act, go for that one.
0: For sure. but these are ones that we've already seen. So what what are we doing for the next part of the episode when it comes to Tom Hanks? We're still on this Tom Hanks train, by the way.
2: Yeah, so I've um I was thinking that there there are always more movies to watch when it comes to a particular star. And so I asked everybody to pick a Tom Hanks movie that they had never seen before and report back their findings. So, Andreas, which one did you go with?
0: Well, first off, I love this idea because even with, like, the biggest names, there's always, like, that one film where it's, like, an obscure cut or a huge favorite that you just never got around to. There's always at least one or two that you just didn't get to. And I hope with this type of episode that we can get you working on those films that you might have missed out with Tom Hanks. So if it's not the ones that we've already discussed, it could be ones like Philadelphia, which considering I've watched a whole slew of Oscar winners or nominated films, I'm surprised it took me this long. Now, Yeah, I'm I had,
2: surprised too.
0: <laughs> I had seen a number of clips of it, and I have seen like it in passing on TV, but I never sat down and like watched it. And it's especially peculiar because I flat out love Jonathan Demi as a director. So I don't know why it took so long, but thank you for this episode. It got it got me you know it got me to sit down and watch this, and much appreciated. So in short, I feel like the film the film's been criticized for being a little bit too Hollywoody. I feel like it's almost, uh, not in a bad way, I feel like that's not necessarily true. Like, I feel like Jonathan Demme, who always does something unique with his films, um, rest in peace, by the way, he's one of the greats. um, He does a lot of interesting stuff. First off, have either of you seen Philadelphia?
1: I have not.
2: I have.
0: Okay, so Rachel, you know what I mean when I say, like, he uses the camera as, like, this gaze where yeah. like especially in like the courtroom when um when Tom Hanks's character uh, if you don't know the premise um his character is a lawyer who um who who uh, who ends up having HIV and he tries to hide his 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 illness and his homosexuality from his peers until he is uh, unjustly disbarred so he's he basically is is suing his former firm so he can. Uh, you know, get justice because he he deems it as a hate crime, and you know the sicker he gets, and you you view the courtroom from his perspective. It's more like a handheld perspective, so it's wobblier, and you feel like you're in his shoes. Some really creative stuff, and like the way that it ends, like literally the the last sequence. I don't want to spoil what it is, but another very touching idea by Jonathan Demme. I will say some of the things that I'm not super duper thrilled with are the handling of the Denzel Washington character who is, um, you know, he's a, he's a fellow lawyer who uh, Tom Hanks' character asks to take his case. Now he's a, he's a hostile homophobe and mm-hmm. you know, it, like the idea of homosexuality repulses him. But in the same way that Green Book Kind of tiptoes around the racism, and you don't fully buy that he's got a change of heart. Um, this film's a bit better with that, with that change of heart, but I still don't fully buy it. Especially if you see how how violently homophobic he is. Like some of the the, the slurs that he uses. Um, there's one extremely touching moment, and there's always a moment in Jonathan Demme films where you're reminded that he's an expert at at combining music and and, and film together. Um, there's a centerpiece moment where uh, Denzel and Tom share a moment. And it involves music. It involves operatic music, actually. Um, and it involves classical music, actually. And I don't want to say more than that. That's meant to be the change of heart moment. But even if it doesn't fully work for me, I think the, the scene itself is fantastic. But let's talk about the man of the hour, Tom Hanks.
2: Whatever. performance! I will say Washington is excellent too, just to put that out there as much as his character has some issues with the way it's written.
0: Washington, even if his character has issues, no matter what film it is, I've never seen him do a bad performance ever. And this Mm -hmm. is, this is true here as well. His acting here is is phenomenal. And it, it goes to show why this was his last supporting role of sorts. He was destined to lead.
2: And the two of them together are just spectacular.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, connection is just phenomenal and uh, to, to go back to Tom it's telling why this film was that bridge between you know the, the 80s Tom Hanks where you know he was charming and fun and the Tom Hanks that we know now because that's a very different one because he starts off the film that way like this this average guy this everyday guy but as the film progresses and he gets sicker and sicker and sicker that's when you see his performance really start to shine where all of his little symptoms that he, that he evokes. And you you fully believe that he's on his deathbed. And it's, I mean, it's, you can't say more than that. It's a, it's a completely devoted performance. So it's only natural that Forrest Gump happened right afterwards where it's like this huge transformation because this was a sign, this was like one of the best ways to break out of typecasting. I think I've ever seen because Tom Hanks broke out of those rom-coms and things like, like with a snap of a finger, this did it. And he's been destined for dramatic or comedic greatness ever since.
2: It's interesting that you talk about how Philadelphia was taken as to Hollywood, because in some ways I think that works to its advantage because it really was either one of the first or certainly the first very mainstream film to discuss HIV and AIDS. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think they kind of lean into that side of it, of how normal and mainstream the movie is. Um, Kind of in a Stanley Kramer way, the fact that that conversation exists is beneficial in itself.
0: Absolutely. That's actually a very good point because that's a criticism, but at the same time, it was essential for the discussion. Mm -hmm. So... I don't view that as a major problem at all. Uh, before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to Bruce Springsteen, who's the boss. He's one of the greatest uh, songwriters of all time. His his original song for this film, gorgeous. That's all I'm going to say about that. I adore it. It's a great way to start the picture with all these sites of, you know, the titular city, Philadelphia. James, what did you watch for the first time by Mr. Tom Hanks?
1: I really enjoyed that we picked Tom Hanks because my dad actually told me about my suggestion not too long ago, so I took the opportunity to watch it. It is 2004's is The Terminal, which is also directed by Steven Spielberg.
0: That's such a peculiar one you could have picked because like, that's one where if you don't know it exists, you would never hear about
1: it.
2: I really like that one.
1: <laughs> exactly. My dad was telling me about it, and he, he, he was like, oh, you should got to check it out if you get a chance. And I was like, all right. So this came up, and I was like, perfect. That's when I'll watch it. So this is a really interesting film. He plays a character named Victor... Navorsky, and he is from the fictional nation of Krakosia. And he travels to New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport, and he finds out that his passport is invalid because there was a coup in his country, and they're at war, and they suspend all air travel. And so, obviously, he can't enter the country because everything's invalid. And so he ends up in a meeting with Frank Dixon, who is the Uh, Field commissioner of the airport, played by Stanley Tucci, who is amazing in this movie, and pretty much informs him that he has to stay in the airport terminal until it's resolved. And so he does that and ends up living at the airport. And I will tell you, this man is, is equal parts resourceful and also kind of naive. Yes, because uh, his whole way he goes about this, and it's funny because Staley Tucci's character he's trying to set him up for him to leave just so he, they can arrest him and deport him, but he doesn't. He just says, I'll wait. But and not so, even like cleverly, like
0: he, he's like oblivious, which makes it hilarious.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's just all these wild things that you know, it's you know, he doesn't have any money, his money's no good there, and it's not like he can go exchange currency given the situation. So he figures out this thing. He realizes when people are bringing airport carts back to the cart rack, it brings out, it it shoots out a quarter. So he starts collecting them to get money for food. And then, you know, eventually that ends because Staley Tucci's onto it and kind of like kills that. But he actually ends up living in an abandoned terminal because it, it, it needs to be renovated. So he's living in there and then he ends up, you know, making friends with the workers there. He ends up getting a job, In the most odd way possible. It's just, it's one of those movies where it's like, it's, it's one of those feel good movies that actually pulls off what it's trying to pull off.
0: It's almost like Castaway with Extra Steps, if you think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, he just steals a show in every scene and it's just really great. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is also in it and I, I almost hate that I hated her by the end. because of how things play out with her character but you know she ends up she she ends up helping him out but yeah it's just so interesting and i'm not going to reveal why he's going to new york but it is the most touching thing in the world to hear him talk about when he actually explains it because you'll see him carry around this peanut can and everyone's wondering what's inside of it but he's always has it with him but when you find out it's definitely a it's definitely worthwhile once you figure it out but yeah it's just it's just such a bizarre happening in this whole movie just because of all the things he does in the situation. And Stanley Tucci's losing his mind because he just can't believe that he it's not going the way he wants it to because he's literally just living there. And there's nothing they can do about it. Like, they're like, hey, you have to stay. And he's not doing anything wrong.
2: It's interesting. During our discussion of Mr. Rogers, I was thinking that Tom Hanks is one of the few actors who can play a character that is good without being sanctimonious. Coming out of many actors, a character like that It would be insincere. It would seem phony. But Hanks can pull off that goodness, and that's much harder than people realize.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't think anybody's going to be bringing up Forrest Gump. So just a quick shout-out to Forrest Gump. I think the film is overrated, but it's got some excellent parts. And one of those parts, one of those elements, is Tom Hanks himself, where everyone's heard every terrible impersonation of it. He can't do it, even if he's not exactly like it, because he just... Like you said, he, he plays this part so realistically and naturally. So that's been his, his advantage for so many films ever since. And, um, yeah, again, The Terminal's a great example of it because, like Forrest Gump, the lead character here is also just, like, painfully naive. But you don't feel annoyed by him and you don't feel like it's, it's a shtick. It just feels like a real guy who just wandered onto the set and they're like, let's just shoot a movie around him. It just works.
2: And you guys know it was based on a real story, right?
1: Yes. yes. yes that was actually based on a person who ended up staying at an airport for 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Which they actually optioned the rights to that story, but then went with this, came up with this one instead. So that movie was originally supposed to be about that other guy, but they decided to come up with this new story. But I think the interesting thing, talking about how he effortlessly plays these kind of characters, I think it's because he sidesteps being a character. Like, he's not a character actor but he takes an approach like one. And I think that's what gives it the quality because it's like, it's not phony because he's not trying to be a character actor.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. He's often compared to Jimmy Stewart. And I think they have the same vibe.
1: Oh, I've never heard that
0: comparison, but now that I've heard it from you, it's, it's a perfect comparison. They're exactly the same. They have the dramatic chops, the comedic chops, the, the, uh, the, the warmness of entire nations
1: I just can't get over how charming he is, like in in this whole thing. And I, I think it's because of the innocence the character has of being not from America, you know. And he's you know picking up things like like the way he learned English was actually really impressive. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he got a book and then got the a, <laughs> a version of the book in his own language and compared the two and taught himself. I was like, wow. I, mean, I guess if you got all that time,
2: people do that with the Bible to learn languages.
1: that's extreme
0: devotion then oh my goodness is it like the um like the greek bible where you have like the two automatic translations i'm guessing so you don't need to buy two
2: yeah it's more you compare what they say to to each other and um i guess it could be like like uh in the musical come from Away. there's a segment where a guy needs to calm down some of the people who are stranded in newfoundland and so he compares the two bible verses and gives them the bible verse to try to tell them not to be afraid so like that oh right on okay cool but well back to the topic uh yeah
0: that was the terminal which like i said uh if you just don't know it exists you just will never find that it exists now having said that, it's a
1: hidden gem in his filmography speaking of
0: which though i'm wondering if rachel's is because unlike the terminal which i have seen rachel i've never even heard of yours what, what was the one that you picked
2: Right. So I went back in time a bit. We all know that Tom Hanks got his start in comedies. And this was when he was famous, but he wasn't really the superstar that he would soon turn out to be. And this was 1988's Punchline, starring him, Sally Field, and uh, John Goodman. And so the story's supposed to be about Field. She's a housewife. um, She has three kids, and she's trying to make it as a stand-up comedian on the side. But she's not doing so great at it. But Hanks plays a young man who's just flunked out of medical school. He's kind of a failure at everything he tries, and this is one of the most nuanced performances I've ever seen from Tom Hanks. He really? is abrasive. He is miserable with his life. He, but he still has those charming, lovely moments. But there's this really unpleasant side to him in the movie, and all these sad moments that I've never seen from from Hanks in a film. So it was actually kind of refreshing to see this sort of dark side to him. Now the movie's much lighter than I'm letting on, but I think that's it makes those aspects of hanks's character stand out that much more
0: again i've never even heard about this i may have seen the poster in passing now that i've looked it up but then again in the 80s i feel like tom hanks had like the exact same photograph used for every poster Mm -hmm. like his you know the left side of his face or the right side of his face or whatever but uh how was it? Would you recommend this? What were some of its strengths?
2: Yeah, it was not a great movie. Uh, some of the stand-up is really unconvincing. Um, I would say the performances of the three leads are really good, but Hanks is the one who really stands out. Like, you look at this guy and you're like, yeah, he's going to be a star soon. The other thing is Sally Field plays his lo- his friend-slash-potential-love interest, but um, in a <laughs> few years, six years later, they would be in Forrest Gump where she was playing his mother. So that's Hollywood. <laughs>
0: That's also a testament to Sally Field as well, who's yeah. also a, a brilliant. And she did performer. have to play the
2: character as a young woman in Boris Gump. I just think it's kind of funny.
0: Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's strange, and I'm sure that was very uncomfortable on set for them too. Where it's like, uh, yeah, you but know, that, professionals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, would are you familiar with his his early days a lot, and if not, would punchline convince you to want to check out more?
2: I think I would check them out. I've noticed some of the movies he's made in that era are just flat out atrocious. And he was in that sitcom, Bosom Buddies. So, you know, I think it would be exclusively just to see this star when he was young. I I don't think he did a lot of great work. And maybe Splash. I've heard Splash was pretty good.
0: Big. Uh, That's like the one from like that era I would go with is big. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah. Um, Anything else about Punchline or...
2: Nope, I just thought that it was it was pleasant, um, but it also had this sort of hidden dark side you might like.
0: Speaking of hidden sides, um, I guess that wraps up that segment. We're going to pick another performer, actor or actress. We'll do this again. It's, it was a really fun experiment, so thank you, Rachel. Nice. Um, but speaking of hidden sides, we're going to do our weekly recommendations, but they're not going to be so random. We're actually going to try and pick some maybe underseen or other Tom Hanks films we just didn't get a chance to bring up. So um, before we do that, where can you find us?
2: Well, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under The K-Cut. We post tidbits of film trivia and things like that on there. And for this month, our Cinematic Board Collective film is Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. And our individual picks are Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Guy and Madeline on a park bench, and Aguirre: The Wrath of God, which I keep calling Wrath of Khan. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> the mashup that the world needs. Yeah, get get on that deep fake, creators.
1: Star Trek so. meets Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh, you know the rage would the, the rage would be untethered anyway. So um, yeah, Rachel, since this was your your. You know, you just like to Tom Hanks. Would you like to give us our first Tom Hanks film to, to end on?
2: Yep, mine is That Thing You Do. And he only has a cameo in the movie, but this is the first film he directed. And it's about a one-hit wonder band in the 60s. Kind of in the same vein as the Beatles, but like only flash in the pan. And it's a really, really charming little film. Lots of great performances and the music will never leave your head. It was really great music. And it turns out Hanks is a very able director. So there you go.
1: I think, did he write the screenplay for that as well?
2: I think he did.
0: It's been on my radar, but unfortunately I've not seen it. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, <laughs> James, what Tom Hanks film are you going to go with to send us off?
1: So I haven't seen it in ages and it's kind of corny, but it's it's one of those films that would often be syndicated on cable TV, but a league of their own. yes
0: that reminds me of the superstation It just you know they go together uh why why a league of their own
1: i think because it's just i think it's just fun especially because like it's you know you got like it's not only tom hanks but you have people like gina davis is in it and who else is in this oh yeah rosie o'donnell's in it back when she was actually relevant uh oh yeah madonna was in this i totally forgot about that back when madonna was trying to be an actress Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those ones. It's like if it's on TV, I'll watch it no matter what. Like if it's on it's like, "Oh, this is fun." Also, it's kind of like it's oddly kind of slightly feminist because it's about like a fictionalized account of a real-life all-girls professional baseball team.
2: I'd call it overtly feminist to be honest.
1: Yeah, I especially, you know, especially for the time. I think it was 1992.
2: Yep. Almost as old as we are.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh the film was
0: also directed by Penny Marshall so
2: That makes sense that checks out.
0: Yes. Absolutely. For mine I'm going with something a little bit against type for Tom but I I'll never forget where I was you know in the in the house that I was in uh growing up most of my childhood in the living room one of the films that changed film for me entirely and it has Tom Hanks was Road to Perdition. I'll never forget. I feel like that was like one of the first really mature films I watched when I was like 11 or 12. And, um, that's not your typical Tom Hanks performance. It's like a really kind of gritty neo-noir, uh, very bloody and, uh, crazy cinematography. Um, very aesthetic. Thanks to Sam Mendes. Love that film. Even if I don't think it's like one of the greatest ever now, it'll always have a place in my heart because it showed me a different side of Tom Hanks. And, um, just opened up my eyes to a lot of different things within film, which I just was not watching at that age. So yeah, I'm going to go through to perdition.
1: I'm going to have to check this out based on the cast alone. It's, it's a
0: really good one. Yeah. It's a really interesting film. It's one of those Um,
2: ones I've been meaning to see. So I guess it's time.
0: Yeah. Like the, uh, the art style. Uh, the cast like I, I think you know, growing up this was my favorite Jude Law performance for a very long time um, it's, it's it's a really good one so uh, T Hanks thanks to Tom Hanks for everything uh, we're going to pick a new celebrity to do this with maybe in the near future otherwise that was the K cut um, Tom Hanks please endorse us and we're going into the L cut now